Hi. Orla. Hi, Ricardo. My name is Ricardo Deacon. <laughs> My name is Orla Martinez. And welcome to The Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie that the other person hasn't seen. We watch it separately and then we meet to discuss it. Sultry. You're listening to Dublin Digital Radio. Happy Monday. <laughs> or whatever other day you're listening to. This week's film is The Florida Project, chosen by Orla. The synopsis is, The Florida Project tells the story of a precocious six-year-old and her ragtag group of friends whose summer break is filled with childhood wonder, possibility and a sense of adventure, while the adults around them seem to struggle with hard times. Hmm. We had to go through a number of synopsises before we could, uh, because Ricardo did not do his job. I am here. It's have my job. <laughs> I have a pulse. You did drive me from Bray, to be fair. So, shoop, shoop. So it is directed by Sean Baker, produced by Sean Baker, Chris Burgotch, Kevin Chinoy, Andrew Duncan, Duncan, Alex Sachs, Francesca Silvestri, and Shi Ching Tzu. Written by Sean Baker and Chris Burgotch, starring Willem Dafoe, Brooklyn Prince. Bria Vinaite, Valeria Cotto, Christopher Rivera, and Caleb Landry-Jones. Music by Lorne Balf. Cinematography by Alexis Zabe. And edited by Sean Baker. <laughs> and Orla, why did you pick this movie? There's a lot of producers there. Oh yeah, like, well, it's the same as Zama. It's like, you know when it's independent. Oh, yeah. It's like, the more producer, the less money the movie. <laughs> the less like, money each one of those yeah. was bringing to it's the like, table. You go to Marvel movie, it's like Kevin Feige. <laughs> <laughs> Power in Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, let's, let's, let's not forget that fucking... Uh, John Peters, who's one of the biggest producers in Hollywood nowadays, he does all the DC movies and Su- Superman Returns and the Batman movies since the Tim Burton one. Yeah. And he got a crack at the business because he was Barbara Streisand's hairdresser. So it's so who you know. It really, <laughs> it really, really is. What? Okay. <laughs> right. Well, uh, why did I book this movie? Uh, because Willem Dafoe. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> I've become uh, quite wary of like what is generously con- <laughs> described as poverty porn, um, not just in films, but like <laughs> there's a certain kind of, you know, New York Times, New Yorker article, you know, podcast episode, etc., where they go to like coal country or they go to towns badly hit by the opiate um, epidemic and, you know, and they kind of stare to a certain extent, let's say, Um uh, where they churn out like you know horrifying facts and they take pictures of like lined faces and they record like humble poor people and not that that I don't think that it's very important and it's very valuable that they these stories are are told but they can become quite they're like there's certain kind of liberal guilt touchstones and you know and like as much as I love like Michael Barbaro and the Daily and stuff like they you know. It, Every so often something like this kind of comes along that manages something slightly different where it's kind of been able to show the kind of more humanist portrayal of people in poverty or people in a particular lifestyle or whatever. And I think we've done a few films that have managed that. Um, The idea of like not not judging them, but also not sainting them, let's say, like particularly when it comes to people in poverty. Um, I think it's something like... um, sort of showing the 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 like not the ugh, the lesser seen side of America let's say and i think it's something that like american honey manages but it doesn't quite reach what this film does and i know that you had particular different problems with american honey and stuff um i think that baker after cuz you've seen tangerine as well yeah i think he's a, he's much more comfortable like in strip malls in you know motels in like suburban wastelands than say someone like Andrea Arnold is not that she's not a very adept filmmaker but he has some way into these places and it's I think it's as much about place as it is about people uh, I don't know if it's you know he is American I don't know where he's from I don't really know much about his background than, he's from LA uh, well that well Tangerine was set in LA um you know, he has a feeling of someone who know not that he knows them, like that he's from them, but 
so I don't know. He he just he has a way of 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 like portraying these places. Um, the the film like that kind of reminds you of is um the Spirit of the Beehive. Actually, I was saying this the other day. Um, which is another like very vibrant film about childhood that takes the child's perspective of how children absorb everything around them while also uh, like being in a kind of a child childlike bubble and particularly like where often the more the more precarious their lives are the more like the more danger they face the more ne- you know neglect whatever the more the imagination become like is a kind of a counteraction to this and like as well i think like the you know the imagination of childhood but also like the aimlessness of it but also like the friendships i think as well like particularly in children that are this young how friendships are formed and how it's as much about proximity and you know and um i think less like i like you know the scooty character and everything um we talk about that but i think it's um her her uh relationship with um what's her name jancy Something like that. Tansy? Jancy? I think it's Jancy. Um, Jancy and Gardner? And it's, it's the two girls together that I think is interesting because you see a kind of a mirroring of her, like, Monet's relationship with her mother and how the way, like, children act towards each other and how they act, like, they act out things. They act out adult kind of scenarios and stuff. And there's a scene with the cow and it's like she's, like, presenting it to her. It's like, I got you on safari. You know, it's like she has, like, she's, um, like replicating the mannerisms of the relationship she has with her mother where despite being incredibly incredibly fraught (laughs) there's like love there and of wanting to make someone happy above anything else and despite not having any ability of of like responsibility of of what it actually you know of like how to actually support a young child so yeah, like relationships were very important and like the mother, daughter, the two girls uh, and then also with the kind of uh, pseudo father figure who's, he's kind of a pseudo father figure to a, a lot of people, I think, which is, he's be like, it's the kind of role that could have been dreadful. Um, it also could have been overplayed, I think, um, as, as if he's some sort of like, you know, male savior or something. But I think it's a combination of... Um, Willem Dafoe and also the way the character is written that off an awful lot of what he's doing is just looking and looking you know distraught over what the fact that he has no real way to help these people and you know particularly towards the end and stuff I think like the um yeah it reminds me of Spirit of the Beehive as well and the way it's kind of like a slightly surreal kind of like very self-contained world as well that you know Monet has full reign of it but you, you get the sense that she's never seen anything really outside of this, like particularly because she is young also because they are trapped in a particular cycle of like this kind of like, you know, certain block or what it's probably more than a block, but like of motels and like, you know, because this, this actual area in Florida outside Orlando is quite big, but it's, it's a very, you know, particular place. And like the location, the location is, it's incredible. Um, Like filmically motels are like such a staple and not just because they're such, maybe not so much anymore, but like they're like ubiquity and the sort of post-war American skyline. Um, but as well, I think because they create their own little microcosm and because of where they usually, uh, they're usually cut off. They're usually on the outskirts motels. They're usually uh, slightly cut off from, from everything else. And there's a reason why something like Psycho and, you know, there's so many different movies or even something like, you know, like LA Confidential and why it's like the Victory Motel and like abandoned motels. And they're filmically, you know, like it's a real, it's a real trope. Um, but I think as as well, I was thinking about this, um, this time around in particular, um, just the the idea of portraying people who are on the periphery of society but also within that kind of like hidden homelessness thing and the idea of people living in hotels is obviously incredibly relevant to Ireland now and has been for a very long time because that seems to be how we deal with people but also especially now because like even I was talking to my like mum about this and you know about how there's the people on the streets that you see and you get you have that idea of homelessness that it's people begging to buy drugs or whatever and like how it's such a broader problem as like and it, it's just it's a it's an interesting thing in regards to this because it's all around housing and the like inability to like 
even get yourself onto the rental market or whatever of like being trapped in the cycle of of having to rent these rooms and how like having to live you know it's it's I think it's kind of interesting um yeah I think like Baker is very I saw an interview with him and I was like that's not what I he's like I don't really know what I was expecting from him but he's a he's an interesting chap you know he's he's just well you just look at him and you're like you're just a normal white dude <laughs> you know you you watch his movies and you think I don't know what I was expecting I uh, I don't know he, he just he he he's very eloquent like very eloquently spoken um but I think like there's a real fearlessness in this um in his refusal to kind of sugarcoat his characters and make them like either you know like hooker with the heart of gold or else just kind of stereotypical like bad people like they're just fucked up and like especially for a mother character that it is as flawed as this character is as like you know grating as she is on okay like multiple occasions um like it's the humanism that shines through and that she the love that she clearly has for her child the the shame that she feels the pride that she feels um I saw a really interesting article, I can't remember what it was about, um, the portrayals of women in poverty and why this movie was kind of like distasteful kind of to like the Academy or whatever, that it's it's a movie as well that doesn't really offer any, you know, there's no real light at the end of the tunnel in this movie. There's no one like, you know, that's in a way like the protector character in this is Willem Dafoe, but there's nothing he can really do. Like there's no you know can you really see a way you know like it, it's like i saw a thing as well where he was talking about how this was meant to be a snapchat snapchat <laughs> snapshot slightly longer than a snapchat <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't put a pass to make a movie um that was just snapchat that yeah. was just snapchat but um a snapshot of a summer so rather than this being a kind of a like this is the there's going to be an inciting incident and the characters are going to go through a particular change or whatever that this was meant to be like looking in on these people's lives without any real feeling of like um like a you know like in a way like it has a sort of a climax but you know when you look down the end of the movie you just see the endless like Monet and Holmes you know what I mean like you can it's it's not a <sighs> it doesn't offer any easy answers and it definitely doesn't give you characters that are you know easily easy to relate to or you know it's 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 a difficult film let's say like so it's kind of it's an interesting you know particularly when you look at you know like a female character in poverty and sort of like filmic tropes of that um i do think the film is slightly too long like i was thinking that the last day i think there's a one too many scenes i think for me the the little section of the movie that i'm a little bit like eh, I don't know if that really holds up um is the scooty and his mom that like like the scene where she goes and beats the shit out of her is at the time you're kind of like you know whoa and then i was thinking about like the scenes of this that really sit with you afterwards um not just the scenes that are really like vibrant or the scenes that are very emotional but the scene of just being so heartbreaking and so disturbing is the scene where you don't see anything that's happening in the room. You just see Monet in the bath. And like, you kind of know by now what's going on in the room, but you don't see anything, you don't really hear anything. And the whole, it's literally, and then like your man comes in, you don't see him, you just hear his voice. And how much more resonant that is than her going and beating the shit out of your one. It felt kind of unnecessary to me. Like, I think the breakdown of their relationship is kind of interesting, but it just, yeah, it doesn't work as well for me. Um, yeah, just really briefly, the acting, like, Willem Dafoe is just... I can't remember when I watched this, if it was after I decided that I liked Willem Dafoe, or was this why I like Willem Dafoe? I can't remember. I, was I think to... that it was, uh, like, when you we watched To Live and Die in LA, you mentioned that you, haven't li- you hadn't liked Willem Dafoe before watching that, so... It must have I been don't... after that. I can't, I can't remember, but, like, it's... It's just the use of a face that you're so accustomed to seeing as something else. And he plays it so well and, like, with such, like, empathy and, uh, you know, he's just, like, because he's just a, he's a grifter. Like, he's, he's trying so hard to just fucking make things work. And But, I mean, like, just for the scene alone, I mean, like, the clothes he wears, like, his posture. Like, he always has, like, the thing in his back pocket and stuff. And, I mean, like, the scene where he... 
uh, he basically scares off the like creepy pedo man. Like that, I that scene is just. It's the fact of how long it goes and how they track it the whole way over the machine and the whole way into the car park and while the kids are just in the background not really understanding what's going on and it's just so brilliant. And I mean, like the scene with the birds. Um, <laughs> I can't remember. I haven't written down what he actually says to the birds to get rid of them. <laughs> it's just so good. Off you go. Um, yeah, it's something like that. It's like, no, he comes out and he's People like, oh. People have to drive through here. He comes out and he goes, okay, fellas. And then the camera swings around and you see it's the bird. Like, oh, it's so great. Um, also, the ending, like his reaction to what's happening and how he's just, he, he can't, he doesn't have the facilities to, to, to deal with what's going on. He's trying so hard. Um, also, like visually, this is just, I mean, is there anything that cinematographer can't do? You know what I mean? Because this is going from shooting a feature film on an iPhone 5 or 6 or whatever it is, which is one set of skills, to then shooting this on 35mm, which is a very different set of skills, and doing them both, like getting the best out of both those well, mediums. Well, like, yeah, I take that the, he was more adept to film from before because the... the yeah. Baker's previous two films to Tangerine were shot in 16 mil. Yeah. So like I remember so the, the, in an interview, the iPhone was the was the digital the, one. Yeah. But also it's that they, they said uh, in an interview the the two of them I think it's for that um, DP30 YouTube channel that I yeah. uh, watch quite a lot that I've recommended you a few times. Mm. That said, uh, this guy Bill Poland uh, interviews people for like filmmakers or actors or production mm. designers for an hour or so but there's no cuts yeah it, and it's just a chat mm. like so they talk about the film but also about their careers what they did blah 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 like it's really interesting like he's a really Is good interviewer in black and white no it's just like one shot like you never see bill mm. you can hear them but it's just like one shot of mm. the actor director whatever and baker was mentioning that a lot of people saying like that the memory was the biggest uh, hurdle to shooting the iPhone mm. because you can't have an external hard drive and they didn't have the time to export. Yeah. Because so we were sh- used to shooting like Super 16 with no amount of film. Yeah. So, so like we're used to be like mm. frugal with our shots and with our takes or whatever. Mm. So just that note. Yeah. Oh, no, that's interesting. Like, because I mean, the, the color in this, the like the the close-ups on faces the the movement like there's some really 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 nice steadicam shots here like the particularly the shot whenever um Willem Dafoe puts the power back on he walks out like the use of like the skyline yeah, that's in the trailer yeah. the use of like it's it's really it's so vibrant and it's not just that you know I love you Bobby I love you <laughs> yeah I love you too man um <laughs> love Bobby um it, it kills me though because <coughs> just to say this that uh completely uh dissonant kind of not related to the movie and didn't affect my watching of the movie mm. but i felt it really weird that once they cast willem dafoe in that character they didn't change the name of the character because willem dafoe's character in um, wild at heart is called bobby peru Okay. And he's such a creepo in that movie. He has this little like pencil mustache and uh, he's a creepo he, in everything. No, but like this is that he uh, there's a scene in the this, motel. This is more creepy or as in there's a scene in the motel <coughs> that he goes into Laura Dern and starts like touching her and she's like really uncomfortable and he's like, Say fuck me and I'll leave. And because like it's all in the plot that Lauren Dern has hasn't had sex either ever or in a long time. Oh, David. And he's just like touching her. And then she, she says, fuck me, but she might mean it. And Bobby Peru just oh, goes, well. oh, so, oh, well, I gotta go. And he walks away. But like, he's like, has this book teeth and like this, uh, like slick back hair and like a snake shirt. It's really weird. For some reason, um, Willem Dafoe and Matt Dillon are like together in my head for some reason. Yeah. And I was only thinking about Matt Dillon earlier and how he's in the new, um, uh, the house, the Jack built. Yeah. That I kind so of, fucked I up. Really, I really want to really watch want yeah. to see it. Uh, Cause like I haven't seen her nor heard of Matt Dillon in so long. And I really like him. And just a p- side point based on that, that uh, people yeah. are complaining, Oh, it's too gory or whatever. Lars Ventura's point is perfect. He said, 
You're complaining that I made a horrible movie about a serial killer. Sorry that this is not like a TV show of the week that is like, oh, serial killers are so nice. We can like <laughs> but, but, watch it for but an Ma- hour. But Mads Mikkelsen, <laughs> he's so handsome. Yeah, Look like, at his ties. Oh, we watch it for an hour and it then we, can, we don't need to worse. think about anything anymore. Yeah. Like, How you dare want- you make me uncomfortable, Lars? Uh, yeah, I mean, I have my problems with Lars Von Trier. By, by the way, I ma- haven't seen The House That Jack Built, no. so I'm not defending what's in the movie, but his point is valid when uh, yeah, it comes to no. serum. I, like, I don't like Lars, I have my problems with him, but he is, like, he is one of those, like, knee-jerk directors where it, a lot of the time he ends up just getting an incredibly, like, both uninformed and just immediate response out of people that's not really, like... Yeah, he's like Nymphomaniac I mean, he's, is a boring movie, but oh it's not God, what it's people so, say. It's so boring. Like we watched the first one. I don't really like Charlotte Gainsbourg either, and it's mostly just her kind of like swanning around. Um, but uh, <laughs> like, so. anyways, um, yeah. Um, then like the ending as well. I think is 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 um like you know multiple things at once. Um, yeah, I I love this film. Uh, I think it deserved all the praise it got. So uh, Ricardo, what did you think? Well, first of all, like uh, I found it interesting. Um, I was trying to figure out uh, if I had seen the the actress that plays the mom before. No. And uh, she got discovered by in Instagram. Yeah, she was like a re- like she was a an influencer. And she yeah. had like a clothing line. Well, she was an influencer. She had a clothing line. Yeah, and, and yeah. she was uh, making like videos about her moving to Miami and stuff for her friends because they lived in New York and stuff. <sighs> But she like run out of run away from home when she was like sixteen or something, mm. and she's Lithuanian and yeah. stuff. It's like interesting kind of thing. I think this movie like sits in what I call the post two thousand and eight uh, economic crisis trilogy. That is this uh, American Honey and ninety nine homes. Oh yeah, I never saw ninety nine homes. Is that good? It's With better. Michael Shannon. I actually like it more than this. Uh, like I really like 99 Homes I think that it's a, a really interesting movie is that that's the one with Michael Shannon and yeah I think in a way it's more successful than this and, that's and why I, I, I bring it up like it, before not to be like a cliffhanger or whatever like I did really enjoy this movie like <laughs> uh, but I, I do have my, my issues with it but I think it's more in general with American cinema rather than this film mm. in particular um uh, like uh, I really enjoyed the performances like Will and Defoe is amazing in it mm. the kids are amazing uh, cinematography is great there's a mo- but my only really big issue with the movie one is the, the very very end I despised it like uh, like right. I, I think that if if, <coughs> if he would have caught like but I'll get as well to the end end like uh, as in like the third act of the movie i wasn't the biggest fan of mm. even though like i like it was so heartbreaking when she started crying and stuff mm. I, I don't know how to get to have that and not have yeah. the other things but it comes to the same problem that i had is that so much of the movie it feels like he's he's doing bicycle thieves mm. you know what i mean that he's just making like a neo- Italian neorealism, realism, yeah. Kinda, yeah. Like he's doing Berlin Year One, no plot, no nothing, just go on, and then it's like the the moment is what carries you through. Like just get get through the these people's lives, and it's the drama of everyday life that is mm. gonna be the, the 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 film. And then every so often, um, a movie thing happens. A movie thing happens, or like movies movie happens mm. it's like even the the bit with the like i would have i i think there would have been way more touching and powerful if childcare didn't show up that this is how life will continue yeah and that it's just gonna get worse and worse and worse until it reaches a wall let's say mm. either drugs are involved or or maybe she's able to save herself and pull herself by the bootstraps because the government is not going to help her mm. whatever but it makes it more open-ended in the way that these kind of films i think should be mm. especially because 
of the film that he started to make. I'm not saying that uh, every film should be open ended, but this. I kind yeah, I think I kind of especially I I didn't hear that interview that you said, but like what he said of being the snapshot of the summer. Mm. It's no longer a snapshot of the summer. It's like the most eventful summer in this person's life. Yeah, which would have been more depressing in a way and more touching more that if it is more true to everything yeah. before it i think as well that if it was like the summer before even let's say if this happened the year after mm. that like it would have been more moving almost but like more uh uh what's the the word for it more uh, not touching with it more uh, realistic not only realistic Relatable? more more poignant poignant yeah if uh this was a, like a completely uneventful summer mm. for their lives. The, all these events of like not knowing if you're going to be able to eat or having fallouts, uh, having problems because you get caught prostituting yourself or whatever, that this is just how life is. Mm. And the, there's no beginning, there's no middle, there's no end. It's just muddled. And I think that every part that I didn't like of the movie is when it became... You had to structure it. And that's what I had with the fight. It's not the fight itself. Mm. Because if if they just fought and nothing happened, that that, I wouldn't have a problem. It's that it's the, the plot. In the way that the fire, you know what I mean? It, like that's, I, that's why I think the whole Scooty thing is kind of the root of what I that felt didn't work as well as the rest of it. Is that like it becomes like a catalyst for all these other things then that feel yeah. like plot points. You know, like that then it's like, you know, oh, she's the one who gave her up or whatever. And it just feels really... You know, and, and when you compare that to how their relationship is played, like as in the as in the the two moms, like those yeah. their relationship is played up until that point, and that the fact whenever they're just kind of wandering around and getting waffles, and they go out and stuff, and you know the idea of kind of like looking out for each other because they live in the same, you know that that felt so real that yeah. maybe they're not actually that close, but that you know, and then the yeah the fall it just and the whenever they go to the diner and everything and that's said there was no car like the character because all the characters are so well drawn there's no reason for her not to tell her yeah why they they shouldn't hang around together anymore even if she went not for a little while yeah so uh so like let the like let the dust settle kind of thing so yeah. we don't get caught and don't get into trouble kind of thing mm. but yeah like i I, I had a problem with little things like that. It's, again, one of those things that is... Because I cared so much about the movie and the characters that mm. I thought that they deserved slightly better in the yeah. way for the movie. And also, if it reeked of a producer that he kind of made these compromises to get the money for the film really? to get it made. As in that, like, he knew... Like, even mm. if nobody asked him, mm. is that, like, if you see this Trying versus Tangerine... before... Yeah, yeah Tangerine, yeah. that being... Like, the difference between that and... Obviously, Tangerine was, like, well, $100,000. Yeah. This is $3 million. Yeah. And that's my point. Like, I've kind of given the producers a bone. Like, look, it's easy to sell. Because you can put this in the trailer. You can put this Willem in... to get Willem Dafoe as well. Yeah. Although, apparently, no, they got Willem Dafoe because he loved Tangerine, so... No, like, I, I think... W- Willem Dafoe is notoriously like an like an actor that likes the material. Yeah, like he's a very smart actor. When you hear like interviews about mm. him, so I think that he wouldn't have an issue, especially because that part wouldn't really affect him. Yeah. I think that he wouldn't have had an issue with uh, just that the film just meandered. Yeah, you know, like uh, uh, and like I'm not saying even like something that would be slightly less plot-wise but eventful because I was panicking every time that I went to the long grass it's like it's Florida there's snakes and crocodiles everywhere but they and, talk uh, about gators at yeah. one point you're just like Aah. you know you're <clears throat> about like gator lunch size yeah exactly like, gator snack size and uh, <laughs> uh, but that, that, that that's part of the issue that I had part of the issue that I have with 99 Homes and American Honey and a million other films that came out before the before this like posted uh, uh inside job and what's the other one with steve carell big the big, oh, the short. big short and uh oh, i really like the big short what's the other one that you mentioned when i was talking about the trilogy the, mm. the oh killing them softly killing them softly and everything is that or even it follows and shit yeah. like that is that yeah, this definitely bleeds into horror as well but my problem it, with all those films is the portrayal that America was okay before 2008. 
I don't think that this film fits as neatly into that as well. Like, not as neatly, but mm. just by um, because for that's not how, I, especially because it's Disneyland. Yeah, like it's part of the part of it's been Disneyland, but uh, which is like yeah, like a part of it is like the 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 this American feels more eighties to me, like post Reagan. Yeah, uh, but the thing is that for one, they have to make the point of showing the homes that they couldn't sell. Mm. It's like always. What does the filmmaker show us is part of what they are telling us. Mm. And it's like equating one to one there. That is like 2008. Look at these homes. Look at these people. Because there's a lot of people there as well that wouldn't be in normal condition mm. in in motels and stuff. Which is understandable or whatever. But also is that like uh, Monet's mother would always have been in that motel. Yeah, You know what I mean? So I think that it's like it shouldn't have been mentioned. It's mm. another thing like just have an abandoned house if you're mm. going to burn it down. Don't be like the million. And the, mm. even the kids I, like I, there's yeah. like a really odd line that the kid goes like, oh, they they were trying to sell these houses for a million. It's like that mm. was the only moment that it didn't feel true. That is yeah. like it, it felt like Sean Baker getting you under the shoulders like this is what the Particularly when it is such an like a odd isolated place as well, and like like I've no I completely understand what you're saying, and I completely agree with you that it it is such a trope. It's like the Obama years of like indie cinema, um, and especially like since you mentioned there like that why the movie is called the Florida Project, the way that this like community has always been deprived since like they never got the trickle down, fucking <laughs> 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 trickle down from. Uh, from Reaganomics or whatever since the 80s when Orlando opened and mm. stuff. And I think it would have been a much bigger point. Like, if they didn't mention fucking 2008, mm. it would have been, this is the way that it always is and always will be until something fundamental changes. Mm. And it's But then you're, the you have your scapegoat. Everybody, like, I'm not saying, like, the Sean Baker thinks that, but it makes it easier for people, especially when you're doing an issue movie like this mm. and you're not preaching and you're not making your points that clear, you give a scapegoat. You mm. know, it was 2008. Mm. Because, like, you know, like, people, <laughs> middle class, New Yorker, kind of... Dif- or like even richer whatever the people that would really make think, a change do you really think that people are going to watch that and go yeah the reason why this woman is living in a motel and the people around her are living in motels is because of 2008 I don't no, think that that message I, is I think is that anybody that is in power like I'm not saying that that's what the movie is no, saying no no I know but like that it's it's that easy to take that as a reading from what well, I, I mean I suppose. no but like if you're looking for, to not feel guilty about it yeah. that's what you're gonna feel it's like we're not like Let's say if I feel terrible about homelessness in Ireland at the moment. Yeah. I, I like I'm part of the problem because I don't do anything about it. Mm. Like in the sense that I'm not involved in creating or or Ireland. It's taking out. But at the same time, it's like uh, I, I won't get into it afterwards. We'll talk about <laughs> charities and stuff like that. But, well, yeah, there's no perfect way to deal with these things. And uh, well, there is, which be like <coughs> the government to build houses. But for sure. <coughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what can we do? Yeah. So like the part of what we can do, whatever, like, well, to be know, honest, vote, <laughs> fucking vote. Yeah. Uh, but my point being that if. You're showing like something like Rosie that came out, whatever that is about, like the homeless crisis, the about families living in hotels and stuff. Yeah, is that um, even in that movie, it's like it's the government. Mm. You know, it's not like your neighbor who's a fucking landlord. Then you're like, oh, oh, it's oh, sorry. the market. I'm it's sorry, market. I'm, b- I'm like, blind by um, like the like, market came in and they went yeah, on my computer and they went on my daft profile and they put up all my prices. It's I, not like uh, you, you, you can be moral you know and i think that for example if a person that is a landlord and has an extraordinary price in the house and they're watching rosie and in rosie they go there's not enough accommodation fucking government he goes it's Mm. not because i'm housing somebody doesn't matter what they're paying but there's somebody getting housed. I still think, though, like, if you're going to want to read that into this movie, that even if he did not even remotely allude to it, it still... Yeah, but then it's like, know. oh, I agree but, with you, Sean. But okay, don't make, it, that... don't make it easier for them. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the way that I had my problems with Get Out, but it doesn't give you a get out, let's say. <laughs> uh, it doesn't give you an out to to go as a, like, white liberal, to go, 
oh yeah you know it's that type of white liberal uh, you know what i mean not the, me the, and then it's also it's florida mm. which always has its issues with uh with real estate and stuff mm. so i think the um mentioning it clouds it a bit but it it's the, the like fucking united states it's a shell has always been always will be I did think that it was incredibly depressing and I think that it is not in in, in a good way not non-judgmental mm. of its characters. I think that he's judging his characters but without finger wagging. Yeah. Which is different that like makes it le- like slightly more American but I don't have the issue with that that it mm. being like just uh neorealist or like a minimalist kind of work that is just show and then make the audience decide what's good or bad. Mhm. But, like, it's clearly kind of pointing that. Obviously, you know, only feeding your child waffles and letting her stick her fingers and shout at helicopters and stealing is bad. It's more, I think, is the character traits more than anything else. Is mm. that, like, uh, the way, like, uh, how can I put it? Is it? It's, like, very particular choice to choose that she's a stripper that ch- turns into a prostitute and there's no, uh, no point does she seem to struggle with that decision Mm. or like at no point does she seem to give a shit that like her daughter is in the in the bathroom you know Mm. like her reaction is to go to bobby and it's like i'm paid up front Mm. Uh, uh, uh." and it's kind of like it's not like the movie doesn't show scenes with her by herself or bobby by herself it's not say that like if the movie was purely from the point of view of Monet and you didn't see the adults mm-hmm. it's like I understand that there you can't see the conflict because she hasn't seen it because it's a facade of like what's good or bad and I think that in a way it's judging the the the, the even the way that she goes oh, I can't go to jail again yeah and I think it's like a throwaway line but at the same time it's like that line didn't need to be there yeah because somebody from the streets that knows what the crack is you know like it's not it's not that suddenly she's gonna go oh i didn't know that i wasn't allowed to do that yeah and um i think that in a way it works because like she felt really real Mm. but at the same time is that if you're presenting the movie not as a slice of life Mm -hmm. anymore because there's movie bits in it He's trying to have his slice of cake and eat it too. Yeah, but uh, he's not uh, <laughs> the Unabomber of Everly. Uh, <laughs> Unabomber? The Unabomber. Uh, but. Ted. Uh, like, I felt like. I think that the, the bit of the movie, like, up to the moment that the pedophile showed up, mm. the movie had me in a way that I didn't see the flaws. Mm. And I think that I never like I hated that scene so much that I think that that in true honesty, I think that that's the only issue with the movie, really. But because it took me away so much that it never allowed me to go back, Mm. you know, like it didn't because it's just treating it as one scene is not trying to bring the audience back afterwards because Mm. it's uh, in a good way, in a way like just expecting you to be under its spell mm. but because i came out of the spell i was like trying to like you know you know like catching up to a running train I and not being able like, to go i feel like this conflicted you slightly <laughs> it conflicted me but like i said like it's like some issues are like just from american cinema you can't make mm. the movie that like you can't make the movie with american money that he wanted to make mm. And I think, or that, perhaps in America, in te- you know what I mean. Well, like I think that he could have made it if it was the same way as like some movies that, like the way the Verhoeven was gonna do L originally. That all the movie, the money came from Paris. So yeah. So like the they would make L the way that fucking they he made it in Paris. Mm. But at the same time, it's like it was gonna be with Nicole Kidman, which was like a good kind of casting. Like, don't mm. think that you can ever replace Isabel Huppert. No, but, but when like, you've seen her particularly do something like, um, like, like I'm just thinking of her recently of doing something like Big Little Lies, yeah. where oh gosh, so good. So I think that part of it is just a frustration that the he had to make the movie within that system. Mm. Because I think that like 
from reading interviews with him and watching interviews that he has a very European sensibility and I think oh, that he'd be like very yeah. cool for him to make a film in Europe yeah as in he, yeah, that's get why, out of that that's like, why I was so surprised whenever I saw him because I mean there's so like you look at so many of those young filmmakers that like you know and obviously like everyone's going to be inspired by like you know new wave or whatever of like European cinema because all of the directors that the people that generation grew up on were inspired by them so like very rarely do they actually manage to make films that are of a true european sensibility like it's i think not... barry jenkins is the only one that has like kind of got away with it because like moonlight and if uh, bill street could speak uh, yeah uh, by all accounts are uniquely positioned in the way yeah even the way that he decides to fucking put a caetano veloso song for no reason because he just wa- watched it in a one car wide movie oh god i was listening to um the moonlight soundtrack the other day yeah. it's incredible although i'm not as gone on moonlight in its entirety as other people See, are moonlight but... f- fucking moonlight that's what i was thinking throughout this movie that like without being able to like put it in <laughs> is that moonlight is in florida yeah and it gives you all these issues but it doesn't say because fucking barry jenkins is from florida yeah he doesn't go 2008 yeah you know it's like this is florida this it's is the always issue. been like this it's always been yeah. like this and also it's just America. like a little story nothing really happens mm. in like they do get shot off screen like mahershala ali oh. gets killed off screen between years mm. and you just see the consequences but they don't go like oh also, he was here janelle monet oh yeah I fucking love her too yeah like a, oh, so a great singer so i love yeah, her she's her so work. fab but like th- that's what I, uh, I was thinking, trying to put it in, and because of Tangerine, it makes me think that e- either a producer mm. put it on him or he did it for are, the movie. There kind are of constraints thing. put in there somewhere. I kind of yeah, I kind of know what you mean because like so much of this feels very authentic to like both like uh, to Florida and also to this very particular place. Yeah. Because like as far as I know, he based this off of reading <laughs> reading articles um, about like the, basically the, the this is. A, the place of like you know not just people who like work in Disneyland or whatever but people who are completely detached from the place that just live in these like strange modeled um motels of like modeled after particular buildings in the park and that you can see the park from them like oh, the brazilian tourists I, I laughed because they're very uh the type of brazilian tourist that everybody hates even in Uruguay oh my and god stuff like oh that. god i love that scene so fucking much what i love about that scene is like it's one of the best instances of blocking i think in his like and not even that i don't think that he blocked the kids because i don't know if you can block children necessarily within this kind of movie but the way like that they're like running around the background and then the guy comes in and you think they're going to steal the suitcases and all the while your man is just talking like this is our honeymoon man she's from like wherever and blah 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 and it's just he's like you sad sad man it's just amazing the the brazilian the you can't get it in the uh, in the um, subtitles because mm. it's like it's very particular in Portuguese. But both her accent and the way of behaving is very, very like let's say D four. Uh huh. And the words what that she chooses. What is the D four of Brazil? Well, like it depends because there's like Obviously so much bigger. Cities, yeah, but, like, you know. she does have a bit of a Sao Paulo accent, which mm. would be kind of. But then you can go like in Sao Paulo, there's like different, uh, really rich areas. And stuff well, obviously like being that, a yeah. massive city as well, and really poor. But even the way that she doesn't say like slum, she she doesn't she say this favela, is she, yeah. She? she says favela, mm. but also that he's like she's alluding to like the fact that it's like it doesn't matter that they're, they're white, mm. they're poor, yeah. So they're like pretty much black, <laughs> you know. Like it's kind of this weird, very interesting class yeah. thing going on there. Like, and yeah. uh, I, I felt that I was like the actress is clearly Brazilian. Mm. So I wonder if she just brought it with her, like you know, <laughs> no, as in that she it, it was a conscious decision because yeah. Sean Baker has no way of, of knowing, knowing all yeah. of this. Like no matter how much research, like he would have had to spend well, like enough I research to do. Maybe like maybe he has a Brazilian friend yeah. who's able to explain it to him. You wouldn't know, but yeah, that's a very that's an interesting point because I wouldn't have got and that. That's what I loved because it's like movies like this that are like that specific. Mm. That it, it, it has a moment that it's like ninety nine 
99% of the audience because I doubt that I played well in Brazil. <laughs> but, but, Just being Sean Baker being very big in Brazil. But like, uh, what what I mean is that like, I like so few people would get it. You yeah. know, but there's the attention to detail that it felt real because it was real. Yeah. And there's so much in that movie. Like the see, like the the best scenes in the movie is when nothing happens but mm. things happen. Yeah. Because it's like like his relationship with your one that keeps fucking taking her tits out like so gloria much. that's her name gloria oh my see like God, i don't gloria. remember the name of the mom yeah. but i remember the name of gloria and it's, yeah. it's because the scene like, goes, like she seems he gets a cigarette off her yeah. it's so good it's like bobby the only reason you love me is because you get one of these or whatever and then the fact that also bobby lives in the fucking place yeah. and stuff that like, that like i just the the that scene that that sets up bobby so well when he puts the power back yeah. on and then just him sitting in his little office watching the security cameras and everything it's oh it's like the way so... that even the kids went underneath his <laughs> and also that he's like fucking you ruined my expense sheet know, that has yeah. like a kid because he's useless he forgot to fucking save that's why he did but like uh, that's it like bobby is factless like the end of the day but um, the two things sorry that i want to get to yeah, talk go, about go. Uh, before uh we go. so uh the pedophile scene the reason i really disliked it that i mentioned it, but i didn't feels say why movie movie not only that it feels movie movie is that it feels too obvious mm. one and number two is that the guy itself, it's far too... Like, pedophiles are... Like, the reason that they fucking are able to get away with it for so long is that they don't look like don't stranger look like danger. Guy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's just there in his, like, like Macintosh. He, he literally looks like the pedophile old guy from Family Guy that is like, Hello, kids. <laughs> like popsicles <laughs> yeah like you know like literally it's that it's like how he, he can, in a sense, he has so little control over his urges it's like mm-hmm. how doesn't he get caught every day or get the shake yeah, out of him fair. every day or whatever so it's kind of like the lot like all this like beautiful establishment of, like i thought there would have been like a benedict cumberbatch in atonement mm. is perfect for that because it's like the guy that would get away with it. Yeah. You know, the guy that like you would walk in and Bobby would go, oh, everything okay? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah I just got lost and I just wanted some directions. Kids, uh, do you know Do you know yeah. where it is? And then he'd fuck off. Yeah. You know, and then like perfect another kid. That's why they're so scary. And uh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about before the, the, the is that like the, the very ending when mm-hmm. they start running towards Disney, I really hated that. And I, for two reasons, mm-hmm. not three reasons okay one uh i think the film should have just cut to black with her cry mm-hmm. that would have been like you just leave uh, I, I i think or it would maybe have... not on her face maybe on her friend's face yeah, yeah. and just with the sound of the sobs or whatever or like jesus that would be bleak or just like the the grandmother like turning to react and go like oh it's everything okay honey and mm. then cut to black cut it there that's yeah. a perfect ending for this movie like besides the point that i didn't need for this to have that kind of ending yeah because i wanted everything to be as it was but different the the summer happened but Mm. it's just the summer you know but fine if you're gonna have this kind of ending end it there it's perfect Mm. you know you're you're gonna have it but then Okay, so then number two, second reason uh, is because the execution is so poor. Like the rest, like it's clearly shot on an iPhone. Mm, purposefully though. Purposely. And I get what they're trying to say. Mm. But for one is that, uh, and also knowing that uh, shooting inside the Disneyland is notoriously difficult to get away with. Mm-hmm. So they're not using gimbals or whatever. It's just them Ooh, using their hands. Yeah. And... But the execution is so bad. Like, it, it reminded me of me trying to edit an action scene when I was, like, 14. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is, like, this rapid cutting and then changing, like, this, like, wide angle because you only know one angle. Mm. And it's kind of, like, oh, low, shaky cam or whatever. Uh, and also, it's kind of, like, the kids running. Like, they're doing, like... You know, you can't make, like, the montage exciting because they're, like, 
not moving fast yeah. <laughs> so like it was distractingly weird yeah. because it's like so you don't see their faces so it beats the point of what's happening i like the idea of it more than the execution and then uh and then like part of it as well is like it nearly gave me like the but mainly because i had it before i know for a fact that this part wasn't like producer kind of thing but like in my head i had like this little producer guy is like but you have to shut some bit in an iphone <laughs> that's your thing that's yeah, your yeah thing. that's your thing it's like it's your it's, thing sean it's like yeah the movie ends like they shoot that first it's like he, the guy thinks that it's like the entire movie is in an iPhone. <laughs> that was his original trailer. Yeah, yeah, he they, just did a mock-up of the whole movie on yeah. an iPhone. Yeah, the, it's my shtick. And I, I yeah, like, but I, I didn't like it because of the execution. Mainly because if we're gonna do that, okay, fine. I already, you already had the perfect ending. Mm. But then in that moment, you have to show the characters' faces. Mm. Because it's the whole point is that they always like even at the, at the like lovely scene that they go and have picnic at the outskirts of Disney World so you can see the fireworks that happen every night. Yeah. And I really like the sound design that you can hear the fireworks every night. Yeah. Fucking like in the background, like some fucking like London is getting bombed just over That's the horizon. So gross. Why do people go to Disney World? But yeah, like uh, sorry for rambling so much. Oh, sorry. To it, but, uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I I a lot of what you're saying. Um, I totally agree with. Like I that. I, there is so much in this that I love that it does it it uh, it overtakes the the, the issues with oh, like, it and uh, me it, too. It, it, sorry for interrupting. It's just because I put it into like the I think uh, it came up in my head. Mm. So that is not only with this movie is that quiet movies like this. It's easier to talk about the bits that you didn't like because the bits that you liked are, yeah, Willendafo is great in it. The moments are so small. It's great. Mm. That's it. Because it's like the small bits is where the meat of the movie is. Yeah. But, but like describe, to discuss it, it's just yeah. describe the scene. It's not that you're not talking about like the issues or whatever mm. in the movie. And I think as well is that we are both in agreement of what is great in this movie. Mm. So it's kind of it's like, oh yeah, purple. It's very purple. <laughs> I like purple. Oh, also your man from Get Out is in this. Oh shit! Yes, another point. But it's the first time that I see him that he's not distractingly bad. He's actually good. Oh, he's like he's good. so well casted as Willem Dafoe's son. I as know. Well. I know. Actually, I was thinking that. I love. I just love that. Like, just all their interactions with Bobby are so great. Like, whenever um, I think yeah, okay. Well, if we're gonna go to favorite things, that's probably my favorite thing. Um, that like the scene whenever they're like, oh, they're taking the mattress or whatever, yeah. and it's just like you got bed bugs. I would have done this if you knew you had. I would have wore gloves. Yeah. yeah. But then the kids just come in. They're like, hey, Bobby. It's just it's and like yeah, nothing happens. They're just taking out a mattress, and that you know it's. Or then like that they have this big discussion that is about the breakup of their fucking the little yeah. bit of relationship that they have moving a nice box yeah and it's like so but, but awkward can, you, and can stuff. you help me with this before you go <laughs> and then i also love 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 seeing privileged actors actually doing a day's work in oh, the like, film well, because they actually have to fucking yeah. move the thing yeah, yeah. and like yeah. they they do loads of it like yeah. that's what's yeah and you f- you feel like they had a good run into that scene yeah. as well you know like they actually had to get it into the left Oh, like it's so not. That's like, oh, (laughs) like if that movie, like because obviously Sean Baker, this is as well because he gives so much care for this scene Mm. that like you can tell that it was way more rehearsed and like uh, point by point, point by point, getting where it is than the big dramatic scene at the end. Mm. That's the 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 the, the, it felt like he's like I have to do this. You know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think like because of the sensibility of the the other movies that mm-hmm. it, that maybe he even preemptively wrote it so he goes like, "Oh, this way I can make it." But I don't know. But yeah. like, it, we'll it, never know. But your favorite part is their relationship, then. Um. Yeah, I just I love Bobby. I love Bobby's. I love everyone's interaction with Bobby, and then that's not just Willem Dafoe either, because I don't want to be like, "Oh, Willem Dafoe's so great," because that that kind of overshadows the the kids that are so brilliant and yeah and like um like their money plays Haley as well like i mean i think that her character is probably the least served by the movie in a way and like with its flaws but i think like she has some uh, she's just so she's so watchable because she's yeah. just like her body language and 
like she's a has this fascinating face as well of like how she turns from like you know just like mm, to like you know her aggression and how it comes out of her and like she's so little and she you know it's like yeah I just I, it's such a watchable film I think as well that it's just so like vibrant makes it sound ridiculous but it is because everything it's like the sound the color <clears throat> the movement the I like the the faces the performances everything like the 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 frame is alive what's your favorite thing like uh, i think it's the relationship with Bo- bobby with everybody like with mm. the kids and stuff especially like my favorite scenes is the scenes with bobby and the boss oh yeah they're like you realize how much of a sad sack bobby really is because like within the the context of the of the building he's like the king of the castle but when Wait, that like, guy comes right comes in you realize that it's like why like his son thinks that he he is a sad sack like yeah. no good or whatever that like at the end of the day it's like he's there for like he's not the like you're saying the <clears throat> white male savior mm. is that he in a he's way is just there. slightly above yeah. where they are like the scene uh when he throws out the two the two people that were like prostituting or mm. something or doing like selling drugs yeah versus the pedophile scene it's so much in, and then also and then it has like a, a story beat there because it shows the difference of how he deals with Haley mm. when he discovers that she's being a prostitute that he doesn't kick her out straight he has away the relationship because with he has the relationship yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I think that that's so sort of not plot wise but it makes you understand the character yeah. more and I really like those moments and I think that Bobby is the protagonist of the movie because Monet doesn't really know what's going on. Mm. That's this is her life, and Haley is a little bit too much of a character to be a character. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like she's there to fuck up every so often, kind of thing. Bobby feels more. he feels more real, but how do I explain it? There's just an easier way into like Bobby gets more moments of of like of character not development but just like just like a little bit a little bit more background a little bit like he flesh he gets fleshed out just a little bit more each with each interaction he has more moments that doesn't serve you to go like do you understand why that scene is there yeah there's a lot of bobby scenes that i'm like i don't like even the scene with the boobs that you go like oh but is the kids looking at the the girl the woman with the boobs so it's like okay there's a reason for her to have her boobs up yeah. But the whole scene with Bobby is completely unnecessary. <laughs> you know, like, it's just there because Bobby would have been there and yeah. talked to that person and would talk that way. And that's it. It's not like with Haley that is like everything is like, how is that affecting Monet? How is that doing this? How is that doing that? Oh, she had to do that. So this will happen to that or whatever. Mm. And because, like, the little plot that there is is linked to Haley, I think that it becomes kind of... You know, like even the little scenes that goes like the she goes to unemployment and she goes mm. to whatever, like to the stripper bar again to look for a job or whichever. Like I much would have rather not know because I know that she's not doing anything. Yeah, you don't you know, need it. Yeah, it's like it's that more is just it's too, more things that you could have cut out while still giving more to Haiti. Yeah. You know what I mean? So See, that's like, what I mean when it's like she's not served by the film as well as he is. Is that your least favorite thing? <laughs> well, well, like my least favorite thing is like the movie bits. Yeah. You know, like if you're going to do movie bits and get social services, let's say you go fucking Wes Anderson and do fucking like <laughs> Moonlight, call the woman's social services, <laughs> you know, like yeah. be out there. But if it's like this slice of realism, mm. I, I and you, you've done it so fucking well that I don't need anything more. You know, because not everybody can do that. Mm. Like, some other people, like, would be doing that and I'd be like, you're some fucking plot, fucking plot. Yeah. But with this, is like, he, he has such a good eye and sense of place and character and stuff like that. That I would have watched way like that you mentioned the movie being like slightly over long. I agree with you. But it's like just cut the movie bits, like all the other bits. I would have like watched an entire like six hour movie of just like them, them living yeah. there, yeah, and no, just having I, little I scenes and stuff and, like, like that. Like we say stuff like that all the time, and like that's that's probably my least favorite thing as well. That it, it's the move, like yeah, movie bits is the best way to describe it because they're the bits that highlight 
how non-movie bits the other bits are. Yeah. So then whenever you go back to those bits, you're like, but now it's tainted by the movie bit that yeah. went before. I mean, a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I know, I know what you, what you said there is interesting about um, how um, in a movie like this, often you end up talking about the things that you you didn't like, and that makes it sound as if we didn't didn't like it. But I I, I, I really I, like I this really like this movie, and it it like it is one of those things where you're like ah, oh, the uh, even if you look at the poster or the trailer or anything, but no, just watch it because it's like it is slightly over long but it's not a long movie by any stretch of the imagination it's not a hard movie to watch despite how heartbreaking it is in points um so to be honest if he had to do, use the plot bits to get this film made fuck it fuck it i don't have a problem with that yeah. like i wish that he didn't have to but if he has to well, most of what you're I'd saying rather is have the, the as movie much rather about than... it's as much about making a movie like this in the, in the system as it is about this movie yeah like so, that's a yeah. that's why i said in the very beginning that i think it's more like an issue that i have with american cinema in general that even indie cinema than it is with this movie itself. Alrighty, forgiven <laughs> That was the Florida Project. It is excellent. Ricardo, where can they find us? Uh, on Facebook, The Recommendation Game. On Gmail, The Recommendation Game at gmail.com. You can find us on Dublin Digital Radio every Monday, 11 to 12. And our past episodes on the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud. Uh, next week's film is our Christmas Ooh. special. We're going to be joined by... Happy Nuts. Christmas Eve. I yes. It will be. Yes, that's when that one will be it. And we'll be joined by uh, the silent partner, uh, Eileen Gill. Yes, for her third, fourth Uber friend of the pod, uh, Miss Eileen Gill. So until then, uh, I was Horn Mathias. And I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. Be safe.